this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. I'm continuing to read the insights I found while seeking to understand what the scriptures say the true church of God should look like. All this information comes from my free ebook titled The True Church of God, and it can be downloaded freely at the freegiftfromgod.com website. So let me continue reading, and I hope you find something of value in the insights that the Lord has given to me. At the end of our last session, I said that this time we will look at scriptures used to justify prosperity ministry or the prosperity gospel. Now, of course, these prosperity gospel ministers do need to use some scriptures to back up their teachings, but they take the scriptures out of context and twist them to suit their own ends. These are some of the scriptures that I and others have noted being used, so we will examine what these are really saying and look at how they are being misused. The first one here is. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. John chapter 10 verses 9 to 13. Now, in that section, there were these words where it says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the first scripture we need to look at. The prosperity gospel preachers take just this small section of the scripture to say that it is the promise of God that we should have an abundance. They claim that this abundance should appear in terms of health, wealth and prosperity, especially in financial matters. But when we look at this section of scripture in context, That is not what it is saying. Jesus is telling us that he is the door to life in abundance and that it is by his death that we enter into the abundant life. In verse 9, we see that if we enter by Jesus, then we will be saved and will receive the abundant life promised. And what is the abundant life? Well, it includes the eternal life promised to those who follow Jesus Christ. It also includes the life of freedom from sin freedom from the law, freedom from the passions of the flesh that drive man to sin and drive sinful ways. We receive the abundance of God's grace so that we can enter into his presence and be transformed by the Holy Spirit. The abundance is in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to save us from this world and provide entry to God's kingdom through Christ Jesus, who is the door into the kingdom of God. Nowhere in this section of scripture is there a promise of financial wealth. And if we take the verse in the broader context, looking at other scriptures in the Bible, we see that it is folly to seek riches and wealth, as I discussed in my last podcast. And as we saw earlier, those who seek wealth fall into the temptation and snares of the devil. This is not the abundance of life that Jesus wants for his people. What is interesting also in this section of scripture is the second half from verse 12, where it talks about the hireling who is not a shepherd, but flees when trouble comes. Who is the hireling in the church? Is it not those preachers who are paid to do their ministries, and especially those who have made a fortune from their prosperity gospel? There is no question that a minister of the Lord is able to earn a living from preaching the gospel. That is well documented in other places in the Bible. But it is quite another thing to rip off the church and extort money from the congregation so that the leader of the church is much wealthier than those in the congregation. 
These are the hirelings who twist the scriptures to extort vast sums of money from the church they are supposed to be helping, protecting and teaching. And these same prosperity preachers will be like the hirelings who will disappear when the wolves come to attack the flock. They have no answers as their focus is not on the work of God, but on what's in it for me. They are seeking their own ends, not the will of God. And they are thieves, as you will see in the next section uh, in the podcast when I start looking at tithing, when we look at the foundation of their wealth, which is tithing. They create a false tithe to extort money from the church to which they are not entitled and which does not even begin to follow the laws of the tithe in the Old Testament. The next scripture that is used by these prosperity gospel preachers is the parable of the talents. The whole section of scripture can be found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30, but I'll only take the sections of this parable to show how they use it to justify the prosperity gospel. It says this, For it will be as when a man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Matthew 25, verses 14 to 18. These are the opening verses of the parable where we see a rich man handing some of his wealth across to his servants to use and grow his wealth while he goes on a journey. The inferences here are that the rich man is crossed. The servants are his ministers here on earth, and what he gives them is something of great value as the talent was a highly valuable amount of money. But the Lord is not talking about money in this parable. He's using this as an example, but he's not talking about his servants going out to trade with money to make more money, which is how the prosperity gospel preachers view this scripture. If we look at the first verse in this section, we see that the man, who is the Lord, entrusts them with his property. What is his, Jesus Christ's, property? It is certainly not money because money is not of God, as I've shown elsewhere in this series of podcasts. Jesus showed that money was the invention of man, not of God. So what was his property that he entrusted to his servants? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gifts and abilities to do ministry in his service. And these are to be used to build up the people of the church so that they can come into maturity in Jesus Christ. It may also be the congregations of believers who are entrusted to the ministers for the purpose of growing the church. Then as we look at the next section of this parable, we see where the prosperity gospel preachers take this out of context to promote the increase of wealth as their goal. It says this, Now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Matthew chapter 25, verses 19 to 23. Two of the servants went out and used what was given to them to trade and to grow their master's wealth. The master praised them for their diligence and promised to set them over much. 
These servants were faithful over little, and so they would receive much in return for their faithfulness. It can be easily seen then how the prosperity gospel preachers could take this scripture and twist it to show how a person could expect to be blessed financially. They say that if you sow the seed financially, it will be returned in due course in abundance as they are set over much. And this logic is used to get the people to give more to the church on the premise that they will be blessed and get back a whole lot more. But it is a false logic. First, the Lord is not talking about money, as we have already noted. The growth in the talents of these two servants is not a financial growth, but a spiritual growth. And the promise to be set over much is not talking about money or wealth either. The blessings we receive from the Lord are spiritual, not financial. And besides, if we consider this at a deeper level, we see that the Lord was talking about how these servants traded these vast sums of money and doubled what they had received from the master. But when we see what the master says, we see how insignificant the Lord thought money was. He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Matthew 25, verse 23. The Lord thinks of money, these talents, as little. Money is not an important thing to the Lord. It is a little thing in his mind. But the much that we be given is clearly not money, but the promises and blessings of the Lord of life. And yet these prosperity gospel preachers would have their congregations believe that wealth is one of the most important things. They say that your wealth is a measure of your faith and that if you are poor, you don't have enough faith. This is a lie. It is certainly not what the Lord is saying in this parable of the talents. Jesus was making the point that money is little and unimportant in comparison to the promises of God that come through being faithful. The next scripture works together with the parable of the talents. It says this, And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to him who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Matthew 13, verses 11 and 12. If you consider just the words in verse 12, where it says, For to him who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. Without considering the rest of the quote, it's easy to see how this could be twisted to suggest that you will get more and reap an abundance. But when you look at the verse in context, Jesus was not talking about an abundance of wealth, riches, or money. He was speaking of insights and understanding of the secrets of the kingdom of God. Those who are seeking and who have the hunger and thirst to understand the words of the Lord, i.e. those who have, in the terms of the scripture, will receive and be given more by the Lord. They will gain an abundance in the knowledge, insights, and wisdom in the knowledge of the gospel. This scripture is not about financial gain. It is about gaining the kingdom of God. And it is evident that when scriptures are twisted, those who are twisting them or who accept the twisted scriptures are not amongst those who have. The scripture continues by saying that those who have not then even what they have will be taken away. What is it that every person has that could be taken away? Their life. We are all given a measure of life in this age to determine what we will do, to accept or reject Christ Jesus. Those who choose to reject Christ will lose what they have. They will lose their life. But those who accept Christ will be given more life. That is, they will have eternal life. Scripture says this, 
And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Again, it is easy to see how this scripture could be twisted to serve the prosperity gospel preachers. There is a promise and an offering from the Lord to supply every need in these words. But is it limited to financial needs? Is it even saying that financial needs are the primary aspect of this promise? No, it is not. The supply to meet our needs is, and I quote, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The riches of glory in Christ Jesus has nothing to do with finances or money. His riches and his wealth are in the things of the spirit that come through faith. While Christ may supply and can supply to meet a financial need, that is not his greatest promise. He offers us salvation and the hope of eternity, which cannot be bought. The last scripture I'll look at is certainly not the last one that is twisted and used by the prosperity gospel preachers. However, this is one that is hammered in those churches who practice the prosperity gospel, and it is used to drive a message of guilt and self-condemnation. It says this, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How are we robbing thee? In your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 12. I will cover this again in more detail when I talk about tithing in a few podcasts' time, because it is the scripture most used to force the congregation down the path of tithing and to keep them in guilt if they don't. First, we must understand who the scripture is directed at. These words of the prophet Malachi were directed to Israel, who were not keeping the commandments of God. Under the law, they were required to tithe, and the Levites were permitted to take the tithe from the other 11 tribes. The tithe was the inheritance of the Levites, and no one else was entitled to take the tithe but a member of the tribe of Levi. If anyone else took the tithes, they were effectively stealing the inheritance of Levi given to them by God, and the tithes were given to Levi in perpetuity. It was theirs forever. Today, the tithe still belongs only to the tribe of Levi, and no one else has the right to it. In the section when I talk about uh, tithing, I'll discuss and explain all these things and more showing the scriptures that relate to these issues. But as for the rest of the people of Israel, they were failing to tithe according to the law and so were in effect robbing God because part of the tithe was offered to enable the service in the temple. The Lord promised that if they would tithe correctly, as they should have been doing, then he would ensure they had plenty. He said he would open the windows of heaven and pour down overflowing blessings on the people of Israel. Now let's fast forward to today. You can easily see how the prosperity gospel preachers could use these words to justify tithing, to make people feel guilty for robbing God if they fail to tithe, and to use these words to justify tithing as a means to receive great blessings. Give your tithe and receive overflowing blessings poured down from God. This is the catch cry of the prosperity gospel preachers. After all, who wants to be accused of robbing God? 
And who doesn't want the overflowing blessings of the Lord? But Malachi was speaking to Israel, not the rest of the world. The problem was in Israel who had the law and were not following it. It does not apply to us. When Christ died, he set us free from the law and shows us this in Galatians 3, verses 22 and to 27, and also in Romans chapter 7, verses 4 to 6. When Christ died, he set us free from the law. And so, in Christ Jesus, we are no longer bound under the law, including the law of tithing. So, if we are no longer under the law of tithing, how can we be robbing God by not following a law that has passed away for those in Christ Jesus? The law of the Old Covenant has become obsolete to those in Christ, since we are now in the New Covenant, which is much better than the Old, as it says in Hebrews 8 verse 13, and does not include the laws of tithing. You will note as well that Malachi told the people to bring the full tithe into the storehouses that the house of God, the temple, would have food. The tithe was never money. It was always agricultural products, and I'll go into this in more detail when I talk about tithing in a couple of podcast time. So we have this situation today where, one, tithes of money are taken by the prosperity gospel preachers rather than agricultural products as specified in the laws of tithing. And two, tithes are being taken by ministers who are not or cannot prove they are descendants of Levi as only Levites were allowed to receive tithes by the command of God. There are other issues as well regarding the amounts taken which are wrong, and what is taken that will be covered by reviewing the relevant scriptures in the session when I talk about tithing. But just taking these two points, if the prosperity gospel preachers are taking what they have no right to take, and if what they are taking is not what the scriptures say should be taken, then aren't these prosperity gospel preachers the ones who are the robbers? They are stealing and extorting money from the congregation using the laws of tithing as a mask for what is essentially a fraudulent activity. So let us now look at some scriptures that warn us about ministers who seek to profit from the congregations as these prosperity gospel preachers do. And I'll go into that in the next podcast when we look at, and I'll give you some warnings about ministers seeking wealth and prosperity. So that's all I have for this week. I hope you found it interesting and I hope you'll join me again next week as I continue looking at these aspects of the true church of God. All of the information I'm covering here is contained in a free ebook titled The True Church of God that can be downloaded from the freegiftfromgod.com website. So until next week, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off and hoping you have a blessed week ahead. God bless. 